This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And, wow. The NHL is having a very eventful offseason so far. Well, guys, it's just me this episode. Sam Wallace, Sam Driscoll, was not able to uh, join us uh, for this episode. So you guys are just going to be hearing me and my thoughts on this episode as a whole. So what we will be doing is we're going to recap the news of the week from the NHL. A few trades have actually happened and some signings. And other things have happened as well that could actually affect uh, one particular Hurricane player that we're probably going to talk about. And then the last half of the episode, you guys are going to also hear me talking about the schedule and why I think as fans we uh, need to understand how important... Uh, these games are uh, in-depth, just mainly going through a month-by-month basis. So a couple of trades happened in the past week. Uh, the Penguins had a very eventful day, and this was on the day that we recorded the last episode. Uh, I'm sure you guys heard, if you listened to it, that the Penguins traded John Marino to Florida. Well, the Penguins weren't done. Penguins uh, traded Mike Matheson and a 2023rd fourth-round pick to Montreal for Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling. Uh, Ryan Paling, uh, he's hasn't really proven it yet at the NHL level so far with uh, Montreal. Maybe, hopefully, being in a new environment with Pittsburgh can... Uh, help change that but the real gem that Pittsburgh is getting here is Jeff Petrie who is on a, a three-year deal of 6.25 million dollars each a year so we'll see how Jeff Petrie plays in Pittsburgh he's a really good offensive defenseman uh, he can get you around 40 points, which is pretty good for Pittsburgh because the only player they have that can produce at a very good offensive rate is Chris Letang. And just imagine Chris Letang on one pair and Jeff Petra on the other. You pretty good have one, two uh, quarterback coach on each of the uh, power play one and power play two lines. For Pittsburgh, so I think Pittsburgh got the best player in this deal. They were also able to shed some salary with the Mike Matheson trade in order to uh, make it work. So I do think Pittsburgh won this trade so far, and we'll see how Jeff Petrie does in Pittsburgh. The next trade that we have here is uh, Seattle getting Oliver Bjorkstrand from Columbus, and they gave up a uh, third and fourth round pick for this year's draft to Columbus. So Columbus did not have to receive future considerations, which I still think is funny uh, from that Max Pacioretty deal. But Seattle is doing a pretty good job. I think Ron Francis has kind of 
learn from his uh, tradable mistakes, I would say, with the Canes. He never got that big goal scorer like an Oliver Bjorkstrand is. I think Oliver Bjorkstrand is a great player uh, when he played with Columbus. And I he's definitely, in my eyes, a 30-goal scorer. Very good player, but I can see why uh, Columbus traded him after they signed Johnny Gaudreau to that massive deal. I mean, you pretty much have two uh, snipers and Gaudreau and Lane. Kind of makes Bjorkstrand a little bit irrelevant. But Columbus, I thought, got a pretty decent return. They didn't get nothing like Vegas did with a Max Pacioretty deal. But they got a third and fourth round pick, which they can use to hopefully uh, get good prospects. And then comes the trade that shook the whole NHL. And I'm sure you guys know who we are talking about. Calgary finally trades Matthew Kachuk after a long discussions and uh, negotiations with Matthew Kachuk's agent in Calgary. He gets traded to Florida. That was a pretty big shock. And what's interesting, and we actually even tweeted this out on our Twitter, is it was Frank Cervelli that tweeted out that the Canes were actually heavily in on Matthew Kachuk, which to me was really interesting when I heard that, but also happy a little bit that we didn't get him because Florida gave up so much in order to get him. Florida traded Jonathan Huberdeau, who got over 100 points, over 110 points even with Florida. To me, that was the biggest shock. Mackenzie Weger, who to me is a very proven top four defenseman, Cole Schwent, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And he's a third-round pick that Florida got in a couple of drafts ago. And a 2025 first-round pick that's top 10 lottery protected. Now, a thing I forgot about this trade is that Florida did get a fourth-round pick, but that was also conditional uh, that was incoherent with a 2025 first round pick. Massive, massive trade. I think Calgary wins it as of right now, and I think they can still win it if they resign Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weaver. Those two are just very excellent players, and I'm happy Carolina didn't make a massive trade like that. Like, I mean, just think from a Kane standpoint, you might trade Aho, Pesci, and a first-round pick, and maybe even Jack Jury along with it. Would you guys be willing to do that for one player in Matthew Kachuk? See, I wouldn't. Because to me, in that trade, that would create more problems for the Hurricanes than good. It really would. So I thought that was good on Carolina to step back when Florida had that huge offer to Calgary. But Florida gets what they want. And they were able to resign uh, Matthew Kachuk uh, 
for $9.5 million a year for eight years. Now, I do want to correct myself a little bit because it wasn't Florida that resigned him. This was actually a sign and trade from Calgary, which I heard from one report. I believe this was from a reporter that this was the very first sign and trade deal in the NHL. I did hear those words, so I'm not making this up, but I think that was either from a reporter or from Calgary's GM. But that's something. Man, what a big trade. Now let's get into some signings. And I'm sure you guys are going to be hurt when you guys hear that Nino Niederreiter signs with Nashville on a two-year, $4 million contract. I think that was a pretty good deal for Nino Niederreiter. He had a very bounce-back season with us this year, and he was one of the most consistent forwards with us. And good for Niederreiter on uh, getting $4 million. Do I think that's a little bit of an overpayment? Maybe. But he really transformed his game. I've never seen a player like Niederreiter that was able to transform the, his game from the season from this past season. Like, I remember when we traded for him, he was a pure sniper. And coming into this past season, he just transformed his game into a very grinding, defensive player that really benefited this team and really gave his line that grinding identity with Stahl and Faust. And yeah, I am going to miss that line, but we'll see how Brendan Moore adjusts uh, Stahl and Faust with Niederreiter out of the lineup. But good good on Nashville of signing him. I think Niederreiter is still a very good player. So, and I've always wanted to say this, and the Canes actually released this on Twitter. Thank you for the fuel. Thank you for the fire. Thank you. Nino Niederreiter. I mean, that's just a good saying. I loved hearing that uh, saying uh, last season. I believe it was last season when that saying came to place. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me Nino Niederreiter. I love that very much. But thanks of luck to Nino Niederreiter. And another signing that happened was uh, Patrick Lane. Now, he, this was more of a re-signing uh, with Columbus because he stayed with Columbus last season. He has been staying with Columbus for some time now. Gets a four-year, $8.7 million contract. I think that's a pretty good, reasonable contract. In fact, I think that can, contract can even get better because I thought Patrick Lane really had a bounce back season with Columbus. He was on a point per game pace. He was very good. And I am actually scared of Columbus right now. And the fact that they have both Lane and Gaudreau, I mean, they could be a playoff team. I was kind of predicting the uh, standings earlier today. And I was like, you know what? Columbus could really make the playoffs with just signing Gaudreau. 
So we'll, we'll we'll see how that happens with Columbus. And another signing that happens is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who is interesting to say his name after uh, talking about the signing of Patrick Lane because those two were involved in the same deal. He resigns on a one-year deal, $6 million contract with Winnipeg. And we kind of saw this coming. It was going to be a one-year deal if he resigned with Winnipeg because he wanted to test the market the year after. And if he wanted to test the market, then he has every right to do that. Uh, One thing I do want to talk about, because there are a couple of free agents out there, and I'm mainly talking about the big ones. Nazem Kadri and John Klingberg. I want to talk about those two players for a minute. They have not signed with a team yet. And if you guys want to know why, it's because of the flat cap that the NHL is having. Most of these contending teams, if you go on cap friendly, do not have any cap space left to sign players like Kadri and Klingberg. That's why they are still out on the markets. And I'm not saying that they're being greedy in any sense, but I don't know if they're going to get the amount of money that they're going to want when right now there is a flat cap. And there are contending teams right now that are trying to move money so they might resign Kadri or Klingberg. Uh, the latest I heard on Klingberg is that he might uh, circle back on Dallas being resigned. I know um, him coming here was completely killed in the Brent Burns trade. So, I mean, John Klingberg's options are getting a little bit, little bit limited. Um, Nassim Kadri, I mean, I'm hearing that he might be circling back to Colorado. But Colorado doesn't really have a lot of cap space. So I don't know if these players are going to get the amount of money they're going to want because there are no cap space for these contending teams. But the NHL has proven me wrong before, and the league will see what happens. Because they very well could get it, and I could just wound up looking stupid by saying this. So it's going to be interesting how the terms are going to be with those two players. Another player that I do want to notice um, or talk about when it comes to signings is Stephen Lawrence. Because he, he was with us last seasons and for a few seasons. I mean, we were the team that drafted him in the seventh round. He signs with San Jose on a two-year one point five. million contract. I think that's a fair deal. And I wish Stephen Lawrence the best. That Brent Burns trade, uh, although I thought that was a really good trade for the Hurricanes, Stephen Lawrence is definitely a player that I'm most likely going to miss in that trade. Now, other things I want to talk about. um, Another former Hurricane, Andre Sequeira, I'm sure... Those of you fans that have watched the darker days of the Canes know who Andres Sequeira is. He used to play with us. He was most notably on the pair with Justin Falk 
And I thought he had a pretty decent career. He was definitely an offensive defenseman. But, he, I mean, I wish him the best in his retirement. And there is another uh, coaching decision uh, for San Jose. Uh, looks like David Quinn will most likely be their head coach. David Quinn was the head coach of the Rangers, and I didn't think he did that well, even though the Rangers were in a bit of a retool at the time. He was the head coach of the Rangers when they got eliminated in that play-in series against us. So we'll see how he does in San Jose. Now, one thing that I want to talk about that did happen this past week that is going to directly affect the Canes, as I'm getting into the Canes right now, is the arbitration dates have been settled for the teams. And obviously, there have been two players that have filed for arbitration. Maxime Lejoie, even though I don't think he's going to get much. But the other player that we all are wondering about is Ethan Bear. And to be honest, yeah, he didn't play that good for us. But after acquiring Dylan Coughlin in the deal for Max Pacioretty, I mean, we potentially could have four right-handed defensemen in our lineup at, at the start of opening nights. Yeah, Brent Burns, Brett Pesci. Dylan Coughlin will probably be your third-pairing right-handed defenseman. And I also think your seventh demon is going to be Jalen Chatfield. I thought he played pretty good for us. I do think he's going to be part of the depth that we're going to need on the back end. So, you have four right-handed defensemen, even without Ethan Bear signed. I would just trade him. If I were the Canes, I honestly would see if you can package him um, up with maybe a couple of picks and see if you can solidify the enigma you have on the left side of defense on your third pair. Because right now, it seems like Jake Gardner is slated to be on that third pair, and that makes me very nervous. It does. Now, I know Jake Gardner's history has been a pretty good offensive defenseman with Toronto. But again, that was just with Toronto. He has never played that well when he signed with us. I was even baffled by the signing in the first place. So that's just my take on the whole Ethan Bear situation that we're having the arbitration date is set for august 8th i would not be surprised if we traded him i wouldn't i won't even be surprised if we traded him for picks i know that might anger people i know it a little bit angered me when we uh traded tony d'angelo for picks but at least the canes had a plan b when they traded him and with Ethan Bear, I mean, he's an expendable player, in my opinion. I don't think he has a lot of value. Now, Natchez has a lot more value than Ethan Bear. But Ethan Bear, I don't think he's going to get you a ton back. So if we just get picks, I'm fine with it. So that's just my take 
on the whole arbitration thing. All right, guys. So I'm sure you guys heard about uh, the NHL news. In this segment of the episode, we're going to be talking about uh, the schedule. And more so than talking, it's going to be very in-depth. But I also don't want to leave you guys drained. And I'm sure you guys are probably wondering, well, why are we going through the schedule? The schedule's already here. What What's the importance of going through the schedule? Well, for us, the importance of the schedule is based on gaining the understanding of what the road map, the journey looks like for this team to hopefully get in the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, there are going to be quite a few road trips uh, that are going to be important. Home stands that are going to be even more important. And all these games are important. I agree. All of them are. But no team is going to go on an 82-0-0 schedule. Not even Colorado. Not even Tampa. So let's just go through the schedule. I'll be going through this on a month-by-month basis. I am not going to drain you guys on going through all 82 games. I don't want to leave you drained coming out of this episode. I just want to give you that understanding of what I told you about for the importance of going through the schedule. So let's get to this. So in October, uh, you have a very, obviously a very long road trip. Thanks to the NC State Fair. I'm just kidding. I'm sure there are plenty of listeners um, who love going to the State Fair. I am not harboring you, but that is part of the reason why every season in October, the Hurricanes go on the road trip. It's because of that. Um, I do remember one time where the Hurricanes had a game during the state fair. I believe it was against Colorado, uh, but it was a huge traffic nightmare, and I don't think we ever did something like that again. And it shows on the schedule. Uh, the first game, which is at home, thank goodness, uh, against Columbus, we know that's going to be a uh, Fun game, and I think any game against a Metro team is going to be hard. They're not going to be a pushover. Uh, but that's that's a day before the State Fair starts. As the State Fair starts on the 13th, and it goes to the 23rd. But then, after the State Fair, things do get a little bit better at the end of October. Two of the remaining three games... After the State Fair, you have uh, the Islanders and Washington that the Canes are going to face. And like I said, with Columbus, Metro teams are going to be very hard. I know Washington does not have Nicholas Backstrom at the start, but that doesn't mean the Canes need to take them easy. And the reason why I'm stressing these Metro games is because the Canes have had a problem going up against them. So we'll see how that goes. And, and to be honest, October through about uh, Thanksgiving is probably the most important stretch of games in the season. 
In fact, here's a little interesting fact for you guys in that 25% of the season is completed when you hate Thanksgiving. Uh, the trend is held for more than a decade that 75% of the teams hitting at the postseason table on when Thanksgiving arrives will most likely be in the playoffs. So that stretch of games is huge. The Hurricanes went on a really good uh, run at the beginning of last season, which to me was a huge factor in them getting in the playoffs. They went on like a 9-0-0 start, which was amazing for the Canes. And that stretch of games, if you look at our schedule, isn't easy. Tampa. Buffalo, Toronto to start out November. And then you have Florida, Edmonton, Colorado twice. Minnesota and Winnipeg aren't pushovers. That's a tough schedule heading into Thanksgiving. So if you can start out strong like they did last season, then there should be a lot more confidence in this team because of the foes that they have been facing with the likes of McDavid and Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCart twice and Austin Matthews, they should be feeling very, very confident. And at the end of November, it doesn't get easier. You have Boston, Calgary, and Pittsburgh. Those are not easy teams. Now, Calgary and Boston, okay, okay. Maybe, but Boston still has Pasternak. Calgary still has Lindholm, and I even think that their defense is just really good. Calgary's going to be a hard team to score on. Now let's get on to December. Now, December was around the time the Canes um, started hitting their peak during the season last year, and hopefully um, that peak doesn't end in December. I mean, you want this to continue um, throughout the whole season, but in reality, that doesn't happen. Colorado and Tampa have even proven of going on slumps during the season. The question is for the Hurricanes and basically for every team is if you do go through those slumps, can you get yourselves out of them? Because you are going to have a a few games where you've lost or five or six games where you've lost. You got to bounce back from that. And in the NHL, there are quite a few teams that can't do that. So it's very important to have that bounce back. And I think the Canes can. I don't know if they have improved overall as a team from last season. Uh, But we'll get into that in a future episode. So in December, uh, the Canes have another uh, road trip uh, that they go to St. Louis, L.A., Anaheim, and then get back a little bit closer to home with the Islanders and Detroit. Five-game road trip. Uh, The main thing that I like to say when it comes to these road trips 
is I think if you go at least 500, you should be fine. And then when it comes to the homestands, you should win about 75% when you have them. Because you really want to capitalize uh, when you're at home. And the Canes surely have done that in recent years, ever since Tom Dundon and company uh, took over. And, in fact, December is full of homestands and road trips, actually. Because after that road trip, you have a four-game homestand. You have Seattle, Dallas, Pittsburgh, and the Devils. Again, a very important homestand. What you would want from them, like I said, was 75%, probably win three out of four games at home, and I think that's pretty successful. And and then you go to Pittsburgh, uh, back-to-back with uh, Philadelphia. That's going to be interesting. But what's interesting about the schedule is that when it comes to the those back-to-back games, you have 11 game sets. 11 back-to-back sets of games. So that's going to be important for the Canes uh, to not get tired or fatigued. And we went through this. It's good to have a goaltending tandem that the Canes have, both Frederick Anderson and and Tiranta, because it's important to have those type of goalies when you have 11 back-to-back game sets. So hopefully the Hurricanes can capitalize on that. And then they go on another homestand, uh, a little bit of a homestand, with three uh, home games to end December. So you, even though you do go on a five-game road trip at, at beginning of December... After that, you only have one road game for um, the last half of that month. I mean, you have like two and a half weeks where you're at home. So the Canes need to capitalize on that. And and then in January, it's a bit more of a uh, mix of uh, road and home games. Although you do have a bit of a homestand uh, at uh, the middle of January with Pittsburgh, Vancouver, and Minnesota. And I think that's a homestand that the Canes can definitely win. Vancouver is struggling to gain their identity. Uh, Pittsburgh obviously is pretty good. They're going to be the hardest in my opinion. And Minnesota, I think the Canes can beat Minnesota, even though they did struggle against them at home last season. And then to end January, you have San Jose, Boston, and L.A. And I think that's going to be a little bit easier for uh, this team as the probably the toughest team, I would say, is Boston out of those three. So we'll, we'll see what January looks like. Uh, the first half is filled with a lot of Metro games. And then the last half is a lot of the uh, Western teams coming in 
to uh, face the Canes, and then obviously the Canes go out to Dallas. So hopefully January, the Canes can be good. And then in February, I'm sure you guys remember with last season, that was kind of when the Canes fell apart. It was not really a good time for the Canes, so hopefully they can bounce back in February. Now, the one game that we are all going to be excited on and I'm excited too. I, both me and Sam Driscoll will be going to that game. Is the outdoor game against the Washington C- Capitals, which is actually called, uh, let me see here, the Navy Federal Credit Union NHL Stadium Series. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be at Carter Family Stadium. That is the one game this season that I'm really, really looking forward to. Because we might not have another one after that for some time here in Raleigh. But in February, I think the the Canes have a good chance, though, overall, of maintaining a good stretch of games, as most of them are at home. The only two games on the road are Buffalo and Washington. Now, you have the All-Star break there. From uh, February the 2nd to the 10th uh, for the Hurricanes. So the Canes might have a little bit of rust heading into uh, the Rangers and Washington. But hopefully they can finish strong. And I think they can when the last three games are St. Louis. And St. Louis, I think they're a pretty good team. But Ottawa and Anaheim, that those are teams that the Hurricanes should handle. And now we go on to March. Uh, March is basically a blender mode of away and home games. Even though you have a three-game road trip in March, it's kind of similar to January, although um, the only difference is the three-game road trip kind of um, substitutes for the three-game homestand in January. But... Looking at the teams here in March, let's see. You have Vegas, Arizona, Tampa starting out. I mean, these teams, it's going to be a little bit hard for the Canes uh, with seeing um, Tampa, Toronto, and definitely the Rangers. And, well, Tampa again and Toronto. But I think that's a schedule that I think the Hurricanes can handle. I really do. And then at the end of April, uh, you, you're actually facing, uh, the Canes are, uh, quite a bit of uh, divisional teams. You're versing Ottawa three times, then Detroit, Buffalo, Montreal. And even though these teams might be getting a little bit better, those are definitely teams that I think the Canes hands down can win. In fact, I think the hardest team that the Hurricanes will be playing against uh, at the end of the season will be uh, Nashville on the uh, six. So, I mean, that that's just me going through the schedule on a month-by-month basis. Again, not going through all the 82 ga- two games. On a, just too much. But hopefully that kind of enlightens you a little bit on what the Canes' uh, uh, journey 
is and what it might take uh, to hopefully get in the playoffs and eventually win that Stanley Cup. If you guys like this episode, please hit that like, comment, subscribe, and uh, rate this episode. And even if you guys like it so much that you want to share it, I would love that because I want to get more and more listeners. And again, thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us, especially in the off season. I know things can get a little bit boring in the hockey world, especially after the draft and free agency. Just want to thank you guys, and uh, and I know these episodes are going to be a little bit shorter because there's not going to be that much to tell, especially in the month of August. But hopefully, the Canes. Uh, will probably make a couple more moves. I really don't think the Canes are done. As the time of us recording this, they still have Natchez and Ethan Bear to be settled out. So we'll see where the Canes are headed, and we will see you guys next week.